All right, welcome everybody to our latest Between the Races podcast on the MX Vice Network. Thank you everyone for listening and supporting the site. We really appreciate it. We'd first like to thank our sponsors in Fly Racing, Monster Energy, Fox, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Achebe's, AS3 Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, O'Neill, and of course, Even Strokes for all their incredible support. As without them, none of this would be possible. All right, for this episode, we have another Aussie motocross special and American as well, as we're joined by special guest Nick Still from Moto Online. How's life? And thanks for joining us, mate. Absolutely, mate. I appreciate you getting me on. Life's been pretty good. It's, um, you know, it's, I like to, uh, you know, you think of this as the off season, right? Like, but it doesn't feel like that. You know, we've just had a mix of nations. We've, we're halfway through the Australian Supercross. And then when you think of that, okay, we're like less than three months from the Anaheim opener. So it's been a really cool year in the way of keeping racing going. Um, but you know, every day I just slowly, slowly get more keener for Anaheim. It's uh, it's coming. It's coming quick. Yeah, mate. So you're sort of uh, just going to have a little bit of those extra bonuses of World Supercross, Paris Supercross, and then like the big stuff is really coming quicker than you think, isn't it, mate? There's really not much time there. But I guess before we talk about any of that, how was the SMX? You were at the finale in LA, weren't you, mate? Must have been pretty magical being at the Coliseum there. There's some really cool events going on there. Triumph, Kawasaki, Yamaha. You and Alex went from Moto Online. So how was it, mate? Must have been a pretty awesome trip. Yeah, you know, I, I really want to start with that point of this was a fantastic event for the for the basics of they did so much with the stadium in the way of, you know, okay, we had the 2024 YZ uh, 250 launch on the Friday. We got to ride the bikes into the stadium, use the, the track and the background there for all our still photography, for all the reports coming out. Um, you know, then Friday night, obviously Alpine Stars, they had an event for their 60th anniversary. I think that was like 10 minutes away from the stadium. And then, you know, on the Friday or the Saturday as well, you know, Kawasaki had their own thing. They were using the, the very top of the stadium that had all the bikes lined up. And, uh, you know, everybody that's been somebody at Kawasaki throughout the racing for those years was at this event. They didn't miss anybody out. They were all there, you know, Everyone got talk- taken down onto the track and then, you know, they brought out the box van, the riders came riding in, you know, they had all the TVs going, they had Kawasaki like plastered all over the stadium. The amount of times like the stadium got used for something as well as this event, this fantastic finale event in, you know, a stadium that's so historic in our sport, right? Like awesome. It The vibe was, I feel like the vibe was almost monster cupish. Because it's like, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. Like anyone could have really won. And there's a high money stake behind it. So do for that that weekend in, in what they put together in that stadium, incredible. There's no other word, really incredible. Yeah, yeah mate. And the racing side, it was pretty cool. You got treated to some pretty good action as well. Obviously, Deegan getting it in the 250 class was pretty amazing. Sad what happened to Hunter there too, mate, because he's talking to JT, probably left around 480,000 potential earnings on the table there by not racing. So you really get an idea of how bad that back must have been and credit to him for racing at the nations, doing it for his country. And then Jet Lawrence, mate, what more can you say? Just an absolute machine, that battle with Roxon and Sexton, sad to see him going down, but the racing was pretty cool, mate. The track was pretty cool. What they did with it, given the parameters they had to work with. So I guess what's your take on the actual finale and the SMX as a whole, because it was pretty interesting, divided opinion, but considering, you know, so many people are on the same page to make it happen, make it work. 
getting those tracks must have been an absolute logistical nightmare. Obviously, the bike set up threw a wild card in there. I suppose interesting, those guys want to be challenged. Sometimes maybe that's a little bit too far with the Supercross, Motocross hybrids, but just your thoughts on it because uh, being there, you must have sort of got some pretty cool insights. You, you know, the whole the whole thing works, right? The whole structure of the thing works. I, I think the riders buy into it now. There was a, you know, a bit of uncertainty whether riders were going to do this. They go through the World Supercross route or they could, you know, park it up and not have to ride pro motocross. It worked. The system worked. The racing worked. The structure worked. The point structure worked. And I think to finish in a stadium like that, I think that's the perfect hybrid track. Like that sand was challenging. That was a, you know, look at the amount of passes that sort of got set up there. We lost Ferrandez there. We lost uh, Chase Sexton in there. Like this is as, you know, crazy as it wants to be with a track. Then you've got, obviously, you've got the Supercross side. And then keeping it through up through the parasols back down, keeping that historic part to it. You know, talking with like talking Hayden Deegan real quickly. It's funny watching him in that second moto come around to finish. Every single person in that stadium had their iPhone out because they were about to video. They thought we were about to witness something which would be incredible. Like talk about Brian Deegan and the ghost ride and stuff like that in that photo. But what I don't think people realize is obviously, you know, that photo of the ghost ride for, for Deegan, how iconic that is. There's a photo going around of Jet standing on the start gates, bike on the ground, parastyles in the background. You know, it's taken from behind. That image is going to be one of those, right? That image is going to be one of those historic ones that we're looking at forever. It's going to be the new, you know, it, it's the new part to that story. And to be there, to witness that, to see that, to be the you know the first ones to see what the the finale finale was going to be like, um, you know, speaking with Feld Entertainment as well, and a lot of those guys, pretty sure we're not going back there. This was a once off, um, and to be able to experience that, see that, the logistical nightmare that it was, and it was, you know, you look at the axe right of what's inside that stadium, what's inside that that you know. Uh, in the parastyles, like it's had NASCAR in there, the, some of the best m- musical singers in the world, Olympics. You have to be somebody. You have to be something big to be in this area. And for us to do that as a sport, how cool. How cool. Yeah, the fans looked like they were certainly enjoying it. The engagement was really good. Obviously, it would just looked like it was going off in a lot of ways. And, you know, it was a pretty solid hit out for the first series. They tried it and that was really good crescendo to finish on there because it just looked like it came together nicely to tie it off. And where they go next year and what they do, I'm sure it'll be really interesting to see how it pans out, mate. But just from your opinions of it on the ground, obviously, majority of it was positive, I'm assuming. Obviously, you know, the track's divided opinion, but the things like the more money, for more riders, really cool to have that in the sport. And, you know, the bike issue stuff with the testing, guys like RJ were pretty vocal about it. But And you look at guys like Kenny just lots back in after a reasonable amount of inactivity and just does so well. And same as Vial and, and Sexton and Jed, it was pretty cool. Even though you hear the guys saying a lot of it was survival, but I guess the real losers in it are probably the teams and the mechanics and the truck drivers. That's probably the only guys that feel the pinch of something like that after such a massive draining season that's now out to 31 plus motocross the nations, mate, plus these other things like Paris Supercross and whatever else they'll try and squeeze in, mate. But so just your takes on the negatives and positives from what we haven't mentioned yet. I I really don't feel like we've seen too many negatives. You know, there was a lot of negatives around, you know, the the money. 
of where the money went to. Was it the teams? Does it go straight to the riders? Like there was a fair bit talk about that coming into it. Some of the rules, um, you know, they were sort of making the rules up as they were going. But when you're doing this for the first time, I feel like that's okay. And you're going to learn things from it. You're going to change things. There's probably things they're going to learn for next year. As for the tracks, I feel like the first one they did at Chicagoland, I hope I got that right, that was awesome. The second one, okay, a bit more motocrossy, it's fine. And then to finish on that track, it's I think that's the best combo. I really do. And, uh, you know, I think I read a lot of stuff on, on, on social media about, say, at the final round, the capacity of fans we had there. Now, you have to remember when you, you look at Anaheim, I think Anaheim now holds 48,000. The Coliseum holds 63. We've still got a full stadium of people, just it's in a bigger area, right? Um, so the crowd was definitely good. Like the the pit party was inc- – I've never seen a pit party so – dude, I don't know if it's because, you know, smaller, com- you know, combined a bit more pits. There's not as many riders. But there was people everywhere, people having a good time. Um it yeah the the vibe there was cool it was really cool i didn't i didn't yeah pick anything anything wrong about it i really i couldn't yeah no you can't really fault too much mate And the really cool thing is that money a lot of it obviously is coming from the broadcasting deal they have with mbc there and the platform surrounding that and it's good you know there's a pretty cool setup for aussies to watch this kind of stuff too as well because there's been major issues with that in the past just recent past as well so that was cool that they have that desire to have live sport like that because it is great for people to watch on that prime time slot because especially with that actors strike going on jt was saying you know, there's a lot of thirst for that kind of action, especially if there's going to be a little bit of programming issues, which will inevitably come in the future. So having Supercross and Motocross all in one place, how good's that too? One of the biggest things as well, you know, just to point out from this final round, I couldn't believe the amount of A-listed celebrities mm. that were actually there. And that, whether that's a reflection of what Fell does to get these people there for, you know, a social media, but like, you know, we had actors from Star Wars there, like forgetting Sarah Marshall, like all that, like A-list celebrities, you know what I mean? And same thing with Alpine Stars with their event they had in downtown on the Friday night. Like um, it felt like a major league sport in America and that was awesome to be a part of. It really was. No, I definitely ticked so many boxes, mate. And yeah, just being there to witness that first one is something you'll never forget as well, mate. And I guess it led into the Nations pretty nicely. Obviously had that weekend off and then it was bang straight into the Nations with the Aussies. And, you know, they were doing well from us perspective, mate. Obviously got the best result we've ever got. Ferris went up there and, you know, did his country proud as well. Hunter as well, putting a valiant effort in, even though we know he was, you know, barely making it just in the days leading up. He was struggling pretty badly. And then Jet keeps just amazing us, doesn't he? His phenomenal speed, skill, mindset, balance, just everything about him, the technique, the way he adapts to situations and tracks and it's ever changing. And even in that second one, when he was tracking Kenny Rocks and he was like, yeah, I'll just sit behind him and watch what he's doing. And I can sort of wait for my moment to pounce and he did around seven laps in. So it was another masterclass, really cool for the Aussies. Obviously, no one was beating the French that day, but just from an Aussie perspective, mate, pretty proud effort of the boys, wasn't it? Absolutely. There's there's no other words to use. And I think we we might find out, or maybe, maybe we won't. I feel like that crash that Ferris had on the Saturday, Whoa. he was sore. I feel like he was a lot more banged up on Sunday than he'd like to, you know, let on about. Same thing with Hunter. Um, Hunter basically didn't race the, uh, you know, the final, you know, like I said, $480,000 for him so he could go and race the MX of Nations. 
And then Jet, uh, I think to, to cap that off is winning that final moto. But like you said, I don't think we're ever, I don't think anyone was beating France at home. I just don't, I just don't think it, and that's no disrespect to our riders or anyone else. It's just um, how good they are at their own tracks and they know what to expect. They've got bikes set up, yada, yada, yada. And I think it's a big difference when you have that many crown, uh, that many fans screaming and, you know, as patriotic for France as they were. Um, second to me is still a win. It really is. Yeah, it's impressive. And it sort of bodes well for the future as well, doesn't it, mate? It'll be really interesting to see how the team plays out. Obviously, fingers crossed Mitch Evans can, you know, go on to have an amazing career because, you know, he's one of the absolutely elite talented riders in the world. If he can just get that resorted, you know, stay healthy and just get that period of longevity, be really awesome because he's just like, a real world beater we've seen last year and on many occasions how good he is. But, you know, it'll be interesting. What do you do? You obviously got Jet and Hunter on the 450s next year. Do we see a 250 guy like Todd or Crawford step up or do you see Ferris go back well, again or is there beaten? There's so many options, isn't there, mate? It makes for a pretty interesting discussion, you know, what pathway the Aussies go in the future, whether they drop back one of the Lawrence boys, obviously Hunter. So your okay. take on that too. Like, this is a question I want, I want to put to you is – you know, next year, 2024, it's the first year we're going to see both the Hunter, uh, Hunter brothers, both the Lawrence brothers. I don't know. I, that just That's works. like a thing now, isn't it? I don't know. Why. I, I've always said it too. Um, For both Lawrence boys, they're going to be on 450. So they're actually going to see a full race season, as in 17 rounds of Supercross, another 11 or 12 rounds of, of uh, motocross, then Super Motocross, 31 weekends. Do you think we see the possibility of uh, they can't fit anything more into a schedule to take on MX of Nations in that time period? Like, I think a lot of these guys are experiencing, okay, we just finished MX of Nations, we're having a week off, and then we're getting back into the 2024 preseason. Like, is is that sustainable for these riders to go and do that and... You know, neither one of the the Lawrence brothers have sort of experienced that yet because obviously they both did 250s. That's seven rounds of Supercross. Jet did every round of motocross. It's same as as Hunter. But, uh, yeah, I'm interested. I really am. And uh, how does that look for a lot of riders? When are we – do we have dates for next year yet? Like, it's it's, – I'm interested to see how it looks. I really am. Yeah, it's a savage schedule for all these guys. So many races. And obviously, like you were saying, obviously, they're going to be doing the Paris Supercross as well, these blokes. So that's another one to fit in the schedule. Obviously, they're getting paid handsomely to do these kind of things. But with the Nations, it's a bit of a different kettle of fish on the payment for, I guess, prize money, I suppose you could say. But, you know, you think Madley Basin next year, I don't think that'll be a problem getting riders to because everyone loves that track. It's probably the most American track. So that'll be absolutely epic. It's just a huge place. You can absolutely jam-pack so many people in there. So that nation should be an absolute blockbuster. And then obviously back to America the year after, I suppose. So the next two years look pretty solid. But after that, you're thinking about burnout, 31 races, like you were saying, that's so much racing, so much risk of injury. There's just so much to consider. But I think the next two should be fine. But I know Australian motocross isn't a really elite place right now. There's so many young guys doing their thing. There's a lot of talent coming through. But I guess to win an event like your nations, you need your star powers like your Lawrence brothers, like France had, to really get those moto wins, bank some top scores and be able to only drop one, which I guess cost the likes of Germany and Spain from getting on the podium. Australia and France probably held it together as most consistent. So it's going to be really interesting. We definitely need them to get that 
motocross a nation's victory because it's definitely on the cards in the next decade it's an exciting period mate so yeah I think for, what's your uh, you sort know, of take in regards to that i think for sure you know we're, we're getting a win it, it's only a matter of when right um you know might be next year on a track like that these boys have spent a you know substantial amount of time with where where do we go for our third rider I, you know, do we do we pull a two fifty rider here from Australia? I think we're we're sort of put on that because obviously you put Jet and Hunter both on four fifties. That's a given. That's what it is. Um, who do you pull for that? You know, that two fifty spot to go or do that, and then you know, going back to this year's MX of Nations, what Team America did was pretty cool. You know, those three guys put their hands up for the sake of they were going because they didn't want to not go so to speak. They want to send a team and, you know, I'll, I'll cop it, right? Because Christian Craig is, you know, uh, that's my my person. That's the dude I follow. He's a, I, I'm lucky enough to call him a friend. And for him to go and do that, to put his hand up after, you know, being on the bike a couple of weeks after surgery to do that and then just to be almost publicly humiliated on social media, like, dude, that's not cool. That's yeah. I I read that. And I was like, like, can you imagine how he feels? Yeah. And he, he he was he's not going there to win. He knows that. He's going there to make sure you have a team. Yeah. And then it's publicly humiliated. Like it's just, and like I'm not talking about everybody, but man, I seen some wild tweets. Oh, like yeah. you would have you would have seen them as well. Yeah. You know, like, um, and those tweets follow the Lawrence brothers around, especially Hunter, so vigorously. It's quite crazy. Some of these riders just have a lot of hate. And then you look at a guy like Chase Sexton, the cops did as well, but he's also an interesting one, how he doesn't really seem to be that popular amongst the fan base. You know, generally speaking, when you do post articles about him, you'd think he'd be a way more bigger draw than that kind of stuff. But getting back to Christian Craig, like there's no team if Craig's not going. It's just pretty much flat. That's pretty much dead in the water. They're probably not, you know, they couldn't pull probably Jack Chambers at that point racing MX2. He was racing Puerto Rico locked in. I don't think that was even on their cards. I think it was Craig or nothing at that point. Pretty much, wasn't it, mate? So massive it was respect. A- and he hasn't raced since, you know, a good five, six months. So to even do that, he had six weeks on the bike, but nothing can prepare you for France and RNA, that environment. It's not happening. You can never get that even if you raced 18 rounds. It's a massive shock to the system. And to even do that, what he did was so impressive and, you know, bring the family with him and, you know, have a good time and just relish the atmosphere, even though the racing didn't go so well. He actually had pretty good speed, to be quite honest, but you know, you got to piece everything together at the Nations. And RJ had his issues with crashing. Good speed. AP was just pretty much done by the end, but had some good rides as well. So just to have them there, it's not the same if they're not there, is it, mate? They need to be there and they know the importance of it. And it's cool guys like Paul and JT and Christina Denny at the AMA. They're really putting in a shift because they know it's how important it is and it can't be missed anymore, you know. That's the way, which is a good thing for the Nations. But I suppose it'd be nice... I guess those guys are calling for more prize money now, aren't they, to sort of get that financial support because it's so much. It's tens. It's up towards six figures, isn't it, mate, to get them there? Well, you know, look at Zach Osborne. Zach Osborne, he put a tweet out. I'll go. I'll pay for myself. I'll do this just so we go. Like, um, these riders actually do put money into to, to going as well. And, you know, people probably don't really understand with Christian as well, um, you know, how bad of an injury that was. And then it didn't get better. He had oh. to go have surgery again to go through the exact thing again. And it's okay. It's going, if it's falling back into pro motocross, okay, going back to racing there, you're going behind the eight ball. But the MX of Nations, these are the best riders in the world. 
and they are all the best riders in the world to 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 go and drop into that field um you know mentally for being prepared for that as well right it's it's um yeah a, a pretty big thing and i feel like for him as well it's a little bit more special considering how close he was yeah. last year to going to being picked and then the wasn't last he even told he was on the team at one point last year um i believe so yeah was told he was on the team we're all going and then um they go with justin cooper and you know that's after you know he he was getting ready to ride the 450 motocross he stayed on his 250 the 250 motocross I feel like constantly had to prove himself to, to be that guy and then not to get picked. This was special for him and to be able to do that. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped for it. Like, okay, I might be a little biased um, being being close with him and, and that as well. But awesome to see. Same for AP. Same for RJ, man. Um, you never know when you might get the chance again, do you? No, that's right. And you, you never know what what it looks like. And to be a part of that, to, to run, them, run them numbers, like the idea – of them running the 2023 MX of Nations without last year's winning team there blows my mind. Like, how does that happen? How does that work? You're like, just scary. Yeah. And I suppose in a lot of other nations, there's usually a lot of guys missing, but this year was particularly deep. All right, we had Hurlings, Tomac, Sexton, these kind of guys missing, but this year was very deep. There were so many stars, you know, Renault, Fevre, Vial, the Lawrence brothers, Adamo, Ferrato, you know, go Prado, Fernandez, Roxon, Langenfelder, Philandron, DeWolf, Coldenhoff, even though he got injured, Geyser was there, Pansar for Slovenian. People might not know some of these guys as well as, you know, we do, but there's just so many guns, like even that Belgium team, Everts, Yago, Lucas Kuhn, and like Skio's been regularly top 10 in MXGP, an elite hard pack. I love that team. And yeah, Jeremy yeah. C were like, it's just, it was really, really stacked this year. So to, so I guess the gravity of, not just pulling on the jersey, but actually wanting to do it in front of, like, you probably know you're not going to beat those guys, especially on a track like that that's very foreign to Americans, the way it was prepped, and they hadn't had much rain there. So it was pretty brutal, very tight, pretty intimidating atmosphere. So there's all that stuff that you can just, you know, not point to, but it needs to be pointed to because there's so many things in motos that go wrong, like something with someone's goggles or gear or bike that they never say, but they, you know, they deserve respect for being out there. And Christian Craig just being out there was a success and have an America there. And that whole hey. KTM group, the Husky, they all deserve massive credit, don't they? And like, even with, you know, with Dean Ferris with that as well, like most of the teams aren't on their bike. They're bringing suspension. Yeah. They're bringing graphics. They're bringing handlebars. You know what I mean? Kenny was the same, wasn't he? Exactly. Like 99% of these guys aren't on their own machines and to, to go there. And it's not much time in these, in the days prior to get the bikes ready the France Yield is going to do, I think it was a lot drier and hard packed than they thought it was going to be. And, you know, that's where they get a, you know, that's where they get a bit more of this um, home track advantage. So, like I said, second for them is still a massive win. Best result we've had yet. Um, we've had the third. We've had the second. We're going for, uh, we're going for the first. Yeah. Do you reckon you'll be able to swing the motor online uh, ticket to get to that one, mate? You'll probably be uh, putting it in now as in the calendar because that one should be pretty unmissable. Um, I think the American one, yeah. I think you gotta gotta go to that. Like next year, um, obviously we'll, we'll spend a bit of time in in January, February, um, with America as well. And I know Alex is going to spend a bit of time there. And I think he's taking his whole family. Um, for the you know the start of Monster Energy Supercross, and for him to be able to do that and experience it with with you know his wife and kids and and have them there, that's pretty special. Um, and then obviously some some of the pro motocross, and then. Dude, I'm all uh, I'm all for SMX. I'm happy to go to that again. 
And then, uh, you know, the following year when we get MX of Nations back in America, um, I feel like that's one that you even go as a fan, you know, right? Yeah. It's that's that's what you do. It should be pretty epic, mate. Obviously, you got a pretty busy schedule with all that as well as working the full time job in the industry as well. So I guess you want to give the listeners a little bit of insight into that and what your role is. And then we'll get on to chatting a bit of Aussie Supercross as well with the opener in the rear vision mirror now, which was pretty cool in that sort of small confines of the entertainment center there, something different, really tight track, small main event with 10 guys, hard to pass. So many, you know, elbows out situations. The dirt was actually kind of good, gave it that little bit of excitement, but I guess it was something different for the series, but it was pretty cool to see Anstey and Wilson getting the job done. A lot of MX Vice listeners obviously know them. So mate, just a little bit of thoughts on the um, OzX opener and your role too, mate. Yeah, so obviously, you know, roll with obviously with Moto Online with what I do, uh, a lot of the podcast sort of stuff, video content, and and trying to learn the other bases to it as well. You know, I'm, you know, I, I left I left school in year nine. Like I'm not a writer, I'm not this, but to to learn those other things and learn the photography side of it as well. I I really enjoy that. And Alex actually takes his time to to show me things and 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 do this and do that. So to try and learn as a whole. Um, and at the end of the day, you know just like you, you just like talking about dirt bikes. That's obviously what I do and, um, you know, do that with such a, you know, a prestige platform as Moto Online and obviously foremost media here in Australia. Um, as well as that, I'm, you know, a full-time job with Circo Motorsports as well uh, as a Queensland rep for them guys and obviously a bit with the race team as well. Um, and then some other things I've got in the background, I try and like help out as many of these uh you know, SX3, MX3 kids and, you know, try and help out as much to, to, to you know, give back to the sport as well. So um, it never really stops uh, between obviously traveling here, obviously with Circo, um, with the race team, and then obviously Moto Online back to forth with America and obviously Supercross here as we're just about to start. Obviously, you know, Adelaide, um, it was small, it was tight. I think it. I think it's a cool like the, how the pits were set out was cool. I was all for that. Um, the track was great with the way the dirt, the dirt breaking down, added that little bit of uh, you know a slip here, a slip there is making up that you know that one percent so guys can make a pass. I, I've I've said it many times like I, that entertainment center is not the right venue for what we're trying to do whether that upsets people or not that's you know my opinion with that that's fine um to to you know if we go back there next year which it looks like we're gonna i'd probably pull the triple out and put another rhythm lane in there just to try and give it a little bit more you know that triple it's it's really you know triple to the inside and then inside before the finish and if you can run it in there it's where you're going to make a pass so if you jam another rhythm lane in there you know, maybe even look at the idea of starting outside the stadium. Um, I don't know how that works. I think we could do it. I feel like it could be done. I think it's wide enough. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's like uh, maybe with the structure as well through the heats, um, I'd pull three from each heat and then two from the LCQ. I feel like that might flow a little bit better. And then as well, I don't know about you, like. It felt really quick. Um, oh, it did. It was so, like gone in a blink and you miss it, wasn't it? Yeah. So whether it's laps or, or, or time there, um, we can go there. But at the same time, um, I'm just pumped to see 
Supercross back here in Australia, and we've got a couple of really good rounds coming up. Newcastle is a fantastic round. It's it's sort of the the marquee event for AME Group and what they do. Um, and you know the vibe there from last year, the track, the stadium, the fans. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. And then you know finish there in in Marvel Stadium, um, well for the World Supercross. You know on the Friday night, it's an awesome spectacle that that stadium. It's a full size track in there. Um, what more could you ask? So, you know, I just hope that next year we have four rounds. Hope that next year we have something a little bit closer to uh, to me and you, Ed. And- yeah, it's looking pretty good, the Australian Supercross, mate. And obviously just to chat a little bit about Marvel and obviously the Newcastle round coming up as well. It should be really exciting. Obviously, those American guys bring a lot of star power to our series here, don't they? You know, like Wageman, Brayton, Wilson, Anstey. There's some pretty, like Cole Thompson as well, a guy you know very well. So there's some really cool, you know, elements to that series. And a lot of guys internationally, people enjoy watching it because it actually is really good racing. You know, it's pretty interesting to see how it played out in Adelaide. That's just sort of a one-off, a little bit of something different. But pretty amazing the amount of talent we can sort of attract to in Australia and the amount of work behind the scenes to get them out here, mate. And so just your thoughts on how much that elevates the Aussie guys as well as elevates the series and the popularity of it because they're pretty valuable assets, aren't they? Yeah, you know, having these riders there as well, it legitimizes the series. It legitimizes our riders. It shows how good our riders are as well. Um, and, you know, it, it adds to the fan experience. You know, the people that, you know, a, a dream for them might be to go to Monster Energy Supercross. Um, and to be able to have some of these guys, some of these, you know, fans and to experience this, to be, you know, close with Dean Wilson, to be, to, you know, see Cole Thompson, Wageman, like, those guys as well, like Dean Wilson's one of the fan favorites um, over there. So to have him there and racing and um, with the people, I feel like that's, uh, you know, a massive success. And and like I said, I think it legitimizes our riders um, to show how good we are as well. It's not really a good look when uh, they all go win everything. Um, I think we're, we're holding out hope there with Matt Moss to, to go out and do something. So there could be some fireworks there. It's, How good um, was Mossy's uh, podium comment saying we've got to stop these guys winning? He's got that bit of edge, doesn't he? He's liking that Kawasaki out of the gate too. Ah, uh, Moss, that was just typical Mossy, and I'd yeah. love to see it. Um, I have a lot of time for him and, you know, love the guy, hate the guy, talk about his past, whatever, um, is what it is. I Yeah, I'm all for it. He's great for the sport. Um and he adds that he adds that flavor to it, you know, right? It's that storyline that we can watch and that we follow. And uh, it's going to be a good season. Like, obviously, you know, when I say season, we've got two rounds left. I think each round at Newcastle is going to be paying points. So technically, it's it makes it feel a lot bigger than it is. But with Dean Wilson, Matt Moss, add JB in there as well, and then you know the likes of Tanny Clout, it's anyone could win. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. I really am. Yeah, mate. And obviously means something. Wilson was mentioning how important it was for him just to get a win after going a fair while without one. So there's definitely some sort of gravitas and pull to this series. And it is very competitive and people want to win, even though it's only three rounds. I'm sure that'll be looked at in the future from all reports to extend it, because that's definitely what it needs to happen just to you know spread the word to more places. But it's definitely lining up pretty cool, mate. So there's definitely that sort of meaning to it. It's not just like an off-season race, chill out, have a relax. It's got a bit more than that, isn't it, the series? Yeah, you know, I, I spoke with with uh, Robbie Wageman about it, and I joked to him. I said, "What you're doing now is what people call the Brayton program, right? Like it's it's coming over here. It's the off season. It's gate drops, getting ready for your next season." He goes, 
there is so much worth in it. There's there's no other training better than gate drops, yeah. uh, tight racing like this, and to start his preseason off with that, um, it's you know it's good. And I I feel like the success if we watch the success with him with Cole Thompson with you know a, a few of these other riders, they go back and they see that these American riders they're going to catch on. They're going to see that they're going to go you know this this time period works out perfectly to kick off our preseason. You know, the tracks are a little bit tamer. Get into it. Get gate drops. Um, I see it really as a benefit. I really do. Yep. And just tell us a bit about the ticket sales for the opener and the fan attendance and engagement. How into it were they? It's a bit hard to gauge from watching it on the TV sometimes, but just your sort of thoughts from being there, being on the ground, seeing before and after. How was it or was it well received? Yeah, I, I feel like it was. I feel like on social media as well, obviously the track, is something we spoke about um a lot of fans sort of really gave it a, a public bashing on there and um that's okay they're entitled to their opinion and if you know what people's perspective of what supercross is maybe that's not what it is but you know at the round at the at the uh the venue sorry you could actually go into it like a i feel like it's like a sporting hall or something like that um all the teams had a set up there they had rider signings the, the guys were there I feel like one thing I want to mention is, you know, some of these riders need to take that more seriously. Um, in these poster signings, weren't there? There's a few teams, their guys aren't there. Like, where are they? Put them there. That's very, very important, um, especially for fans to have that interaction. But they were able to go in there, walk around it. Um, and they had the privateers in there as well. They had the 65s in there as well. Everybody had a spot inside there and they could do their own thing. They could, you know, privateers could do posters, could do fan interactions, could do photos on their bikes and stuff like that. I feel like that's really, really important. And then as well for us, like to be able to access that, we can literally go uh, straight down a set of stairs into the tunnel into the start area um, and then literally go into a back road into that tunnel. So it made it very, very easy. I feel like the way they've structured that and obviously for the fan entertainment there, um, incredible opening ceremonies, you know, they had the pyrotech the pyrotechnics, you know, the music, the strobes, all that. Fans love that. It's an experience. It's an entertainment. It's a show. Um, everybody that went there enjoyed it because it's tight racing. It's good racing. Um, and it's literally at your feet, so to speak, really. Um, so I, I feel like, you know, a, a lot of these people online as well, uh, you know, probably gave it a, the, you know, the giving it the public bashing. They weren't there. They didn't experience it. They didn't expect the vibe. They didn't see it. So um, it's a start. It, it's, it sucks when it's, you know, a three round series. And I said this to a couple of guys, I was like, you can't win the championship tonight, but you can lose it. Right. Like, um, you know, look at a, a couple of those guys, like our very own, you know, Circo Motors, Circo Yamaha's, Respot, he didn't make it in the main event. Um, and that hurts now because obviously that scores him 10th overall for that night. You've only got two rounds to chase that. Um, so it makes it very, very hard. But that's Supercross. That's what makes it what it is. Everyone knows they're going for that expectation. So, yeah, we'll see what we get at Newcastle. Yeah, well said, mate. Some great insight there. And obviously the special thing about motocross is the fan access to the riders and the engagement. It's not like Formula One or MotoGP where it's virtually impossible without a VIP pass. You know, fans in motocross can generally just walk up in the paddock areas and have a conversation, get some autographs with the riders. So it's very important and it definitely gives the kids a real boost and motivates them to sort of chase their dreams. So it's pretty cool that they have that there and they're sort of elevating it for privateers as well. 
and there's some pretty cool initiatives in general for privateers with the prize money and the, the photo collections they're going to have available to you. So those initiatives, you know, chatting to Mick Sinclair recently, who's doing a great job as a key driving force behind it. There's definitely so many positives going in the right direction for Aussie Supercross. And just your thoughts on that. And another one, how many rounds should there be in Australian Supercross and Motocross? Would you say an ideal number is eight and six or what are you sort of looking at for your sort of choice number obviously there's a lot of organizing a lot of things to do tracks but what's your take on that uh, you know you, you pretty much banged it on there i'm eight and six i want to see uh more of the two-day venues uh, events sorry that we've seen this year like that was awesome they did two obviously um the round in newcastle there i can't remember the track's name off the top of my head um and then obviously cool them there which you were a part of um the, the two-day event it, it's fantastic it gives these privateers it gives these guys you know they're not driving all around australia just to show up and do 15 minutes qualifying 15 minutes practice and then straight into motos they get to ride the track two practice qualifying maybe a race on the saturday afternoon and then two races on the sunday like it's um i'm a big fan of that so i feel like you know the magic number there's eight um with a few of these two-day events and then uh, you know, minimum for Supercross, five, six, six being ideal. Um, and to be, I want to see it back in Queensland. And it's not the fact of, uh, you know, we live here or that. It's, it's you know, we've only got to go back and look in old times there. Like uh, Cusack Stadium in Brisbane for the Chad Reed Supercross, it's sold out. That's, you know, we haven't seen that before. Brisbane Entertainment Center, it sells out. Um, these areas are really, really, you know, flooded with motorsports fans and especially that. And then, you know, a lot of the riders moved up here. A lot of the training facilities are up here, obviously with Nathan Crawford, Zero Zero Elite, Ford, uh, Ford Elite as well. All the guys are here to, to see it back up here in Queensland, I feel would be very, very important. And then, hey, let's go back to WA. Let's give them something. Um, they've been robbed a bit for a little while. So for those guys to see it, um, I think it'd be a great idea. But at the same time as well, like, I'm concerned with the direction of where the sport is. Um, you know, you, you've only got to see on social media. Look, today, there's another team announced, um, obviously, that they were closing up due to funding. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll I'll tell you right now, Circo Motorsports isn't, isn't racing in 24. Yeah. That's how many years is that? That's 20-something years. And to lose these teams is scary it, it's really scary and you know what it reflects to ed whether i, I if it's the money that the riders I, I don't know what it is but it's um it, it's scary and you know motocross and supercross is everything to me and you it's it's our whole life um but in this the scheme of things it's a niche it's it's, it's very yeah. little um so it's it's weird i don't know i don't know which direction it's going to go but uh you know what they did this year with obviously the Ospro MX with the Penrite Ospro MX, sorry, it's fantastic. Motorcycling Australia killed it. Um, obviously with the TV packages, with the races, with going to the venue, seeing these tracks, seeing you know it all come together, the signage, the whole kit and caboodle, and then obviously AME Group Three, very very important rounds of Supercross, which you know they've been uh, they said they're going to extend it like next year. It could go to four, could go to five. Um, it's taken the steps in the right direction, but um yeah there's a few things that just concern me a little bit really yeah it's definitely worrying some of the obviously the financial you know purse string holders obviously not maybe seeing the value in racing like they used to or they don't see the future 
as strong as it once was. Obviously, economically, the world's going through a bit of a rough place and everyone's feeling that hurt in a lot of ways, a lot of different ways. So, you know, fingers crossed that, you know, there's still going to be a really strong scene here and across the world. Obviously, it's probably a little bit more financially stable, but in Australia, you definitely want that strong scene for riders to have those factory rides to work towards, youngsters to have carrots to chase, you know, like we've been saying, because the factory ride, there's really not that many of them. And for kids wanting to make a living out of motocross, it's so hard as it is. A lot of things have to fall your way. So much hard work needs to go into it. So to not have that reward, it just makes it so much harder, doesn't it? I feel like, you know, it's maybe when I was younger or maybe when we were younger, like you looked up to, obviously, you know, you look up to Chad Reed, right? That's Pastrana, those guys. But, you know, Dan Reedon, those guys, like Brendan Harrison, Fordale, like those guys were like superstars. To us, obviously, we we see them, you know, the big shiny trucks, all this sort of thing. And now I feel like those days are gone, and it's it's more so. I feel like with social media, it's so much easier for these kids to be accessible with these superstars in America to see them to be able to do this. I, I like I just uh, the the grassroots of it here. I feel like is kind of gone. I feel like people aren't the diehard fans of Varantani or not the diehard fans of Aaron Clout, like those guys, um, Luke Clout. So I was going to say Aaron Clout, his brother. He may have, he may have fans. Yeah. Um, he may have fans. He great mechanic. Um, yeah. I feel like that's sort of changed, right? And it's how that looks. And it's like, that's why I say, you know, I, I mentioned before about the rider signings, you know, at Supercross, that stuff is really important. Because if, you know, if, if you're a guy, it's, you know, like a lot of the guys at 99% of them are really good. But if you give, you know, a, a kid the benefit of the doubt, you give him some time a day, take a photo, do this, it might not mean much to you, but holy shit, that's the whole world to that kid. And um, for these guys to have their own fans back here and, and to follow them and, you know, not just jump on Instagram and, you know, follow Ken Rocks and to be accessible to everything that he's doing, um, I feel like that's really important. Yeah, it's a pretty interesting take there, mate. Obviously, another, you know, sad bit of relatively recent news is Coolum shutting down. Obviously, that's a, just a massive track, really great history there, really great racing there, really brutal test. A lot of guys train there. So have you heard any words on how that's going to be replaced on the calendar? Is there obviously that end of season vibe being on the coast, nice weather. A lot of guys, there was it was more than just a race in so many ways, people's families to enjoy that round. But I guess looking at it as well as on top of that question, what do you think some of the measures that might need to be taken to, you know, to keep the sport strong and to maybe get a bit more interest? Would that be things like going down the route of more Supercross? Because as you see in America, it's like, you know, that's where it's at, isn't it? Supercross, a lot of guys look to America and Supercross guys in Britain, guys in France, guys everywhere. They look to Supercross, even if they don't necessarily race it, they watch it. But And it's just so good for fans too as well. You can get more fans in, I guess, in a lot of ways because it's, you know, you've got the facilities there. It's undercover. There's no mud. The toilets are better. It's just so much more fan-friendly, I guess, for bringing wives, girlfriends, children. It's just a lot more user-friendly and sort of, you know, it's a complete package, isn't it? So do you think that's another avenue that needs to be looked at as well? So, you know, I I think you're on something onto something there with the fact of, you know, Supercross, it's a lot more easier to, you know, publicise. It's at night time. It's it's glamorous. It's this. It's a lot easier to put on TV. Make it's, more it's of a not... show out of it. Personally, it... love motocross. That ruggedness. It's a bit more brutal. Love that savage. But it's not for you know new fans. It's not really the place for it, is it? No, that's right. And it's 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 hard to set up a whole 
you know, to have the whole track under, you know, TV, have cameras everywhere. It's a lot easier inside a stadium. And I feel like is if we can get this more, more on top of TV, we can get more people seeing it, more eyes on the sport. Um, it's bound to grow that way. Maybe some more sponsors, maybe some out, you know, out of industry sponsors that can start putting money into this, funding this sort of thing. I feel like that would be, you know, really, really important. Um, as for Promex, um, there's a couple places, uh, you know, I, I think there's a track not too far away from Coolum. It's about an hour away. It's called Conondale. It's been there in the, it's been there in the past. Um, we've had races there before. I'm pretty sure the club is putting an expression of interest out um, to have it there. I hope so. Um, and I feel like that'd be a fantastic, uh, a fantastic, you know, finish to the year. It's big enough. You could, dude, you could almost turn it into like a Bathurst event where people go and camp. And you turn it into like a weekend. It's it's big enough in this area. It's you know it's the it's just a rolling grass hills. It's it's really what motocross is is natural motocross. It's not you know man made tracks that are you know pushed up and and stuff like this. It uses a lot of the elevation, a lot of the rolling hills, and um, it's a it's a very very cool facility. We've seen it there in the past. I'd love to see it there again. Um, obviously QMP, it's going to be on the schedule. They've got one year left and are uh, very interested to go back to Echo Valley, to Woomba. Mm. Um, there's, a, there's a few different places. So it is disappointing to see, you know, Coolum, the end of an era for those guys and that club. I hope, you know, they they can find something pretty soon. And we're uh, speaking with them. I'm pretty sure they've got stuff in the works. So hopefully it goes well for them and we can see it, you know, potentially, you know, at some point we might go back to a Coolum track or, a, a, you know, a Suncoast Junior Motorcycle Club and a sand track, so to speak. Um, fingers crossed. Yeah, mate, well said. Yeah, definitely like what you said, like leaning into that show aspect Supercross brings certainly, yeah, can get some more eyes on it to get some more numbers through the gate being at nighttime, you know, not being exposed to the elements. There's just a lot of things that ticks boxes. And I guess getting guys like Chad Reed back in the fold in Australia like we've seen with the CR22 Cup that's been implemented. You know, I believe Chad, talking to Mick, he was like, Chad's not really into the SX3 because he thinks those guys should be racing professionally already. So the 85cc was a great thing for him to get those younger kids, I guess, like he had in many ways, into that competition, exposed to racing against it. And you see the popularity of it. So many entry list guys from America wanting to come. So that's a pretty cool little thing. And it's not just him putting his name to it. He's actively involved in it. He was doing some track walks with the kids, showing them what to very, do. Very heavily involved. He was very heavily involved with that. Every time those kids were out on the track, he's out there with them, showing them, giving them, you know, these little tips here and there. You could see it ticking over in his face. Um, like the qualifiers, we, there was a, a part outside the room. We all sat together. Chad was there as well. And you could see it ticking over. I was, I was watching him pretty closely and, and seeing his thoughts with it and, um, for him to, you know, be a part of it as well and not so much just cash in with it. He was heavily involved with it and Supercross and his ideas. Um, and what better way, you know, the hero, the the the, the Australian hero for it, really, to, to be able to come home and guide this as well. And, you know, look at Newcastle when obviously his son Tate races in that 85 Cup. Wow. That just makes me feel old. Edward, but uh, it's um, Townley's young bloke will be in Newcastle as well. Yeah, it's um, it makes us feel old, right? <laughs> it's um, yeah, but for him to be a part of it and to see how heavily involved he was was it was really refreshing. 
Yeah, uh, it's definitely a good thing to have in the pocket and definitely thing to, something to work on and build towards because those kids, you're not going to get anything better than that when you're growing up. Obviously, it's pretty sketchy some moments they have and they have a lot of intimidation about those tracks and to, having someone like Reed just to allay their fears and say, this is how I would approach this section or this is how you should do it. And, you know, just trying to, you know, impart knowledge onto them that really only he has because he's lived it, he's experienced it, he's done it all. So they should really just soak that up. And I bet if you asked, pretty much all the Aussie riders out there, if they had that, you know, Chad Reed teaching them when they were young fellas, it would have been pretty invaluable. They would have said they would have snapped your hand off for it, wouldn't they? Oh, that's right. You know, you could, you could, uh, you know, dad could be out there saying the exact same thing, but no, we're not listening to dad. We'll listen to <laughs> Doesn't dad. resonate. Nope. <laughs> so for, for Chad to be able to do that and be a part of it. And um, yeah, just to, just like I said, to see how involved he was with it. Um, was fantastic and I'm excited to see obviously Tate race Supercross and him be a part of that and I feel like Chad was somewhat surprised I think he goes okay we got some work to do like um, the talent we have obviously we have in this 85 class um, of these guys that have gone out and learnt the craft gone out and learnt Supercross and been a part of it Um, it has been a massive tick that 85 cup I'm I'm really happy to see it back. Well, to see it and uh, see it grow, I really am. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Bring through those stars of tomorrow. And just a couple more questions before we go, mate. What are sort of your plans for the rest of the year? Obviously, you'll be covering World Supercross, the rest of Aussie Supercross, and really gearing up to A1. And did you say you were going to A1? I wasn't sure it was Alex and the family or you're part of that, mate. But just how excited are you for A1? Because you just look at the names. It's absolutely stacked. It's going to be an absolutely sort of gargantuan effort for some of these guys just to make it when you got Sexton, Tomac, Webb, Craig, Mookie, Wilson, Barsha, Roxon, Anderson, Plessinger, AC, you know, Hill, Nichols, Benny, Bloss, Starling, Harlan. It's crazy. You can see why Marchbank's opted for the 250, can't you? Yeah. And, you know, like both of the, both of the Lawrence brothers on 450. Lawrence brothers, yeah. Like, you know, we, we say every year, this is going to be the most stacked year ever. But there is every point saying 24, it's going to be the most stacked thing you've ever seen. And it's uh, like the I had this discussion with Trent, obviously, the other day, Moto Limited. Um, it, like you can't describe what Anaheim one is. You can't describe what that that vibe coming into it. Like I say to anyone, okay, you want to know what, what the hype is and what the vibe is and the feeling and the excitement. I said 5.30 in the afternoon when all the qualifying's done and it's getting ready for the night show, it's getting dark, it's getting cold. I said, you go stand under the big A. Go stand there and just observe, watch, and you will see what we're talking about. Um, so, yeah, for sure, I'll be definitely part of that. Um, I, I don't know how many I'm going to go to, obviously, with Circo as well, we're doing some stuff over there, obviously with 7MX, um, doing some competitions here as well. So I might stick over there for that and, and be a part of that. But, you know, the rest of the year for me as well, um, Australian Supercross, be a, a part of that. Um, I'll send the, the Melbourne Supercross as well for World Supercross. And then uh, try and, I'm not going to say have some time off, but, uh, you know, relax and uh, reload. Got some pretty cool plans for what we're doing for next year. Um, both with Moto Online as well for, for, you know, the podcast side of things and some other ideas. And, um, yeah, you never know, just might actually take some time off and, and not think about dirt bikes or something like that for a little while. But um, uh, it, it's the excitement's already started. And, like, you know, we've seen, obviously, the news October 1st. We start seeing 
Um, you know, we start seeing the announcements, we start seeing this, and that starts to build the hype. It's when we start seeing the videos from the tracks. It's when we start seeing test track rumors, yada, yada, yada. That just, I'm all for that. I feed off that stuff. And, um, you know, it comes into Christmas and, you know, Christmas time, you're only thinking about A1. Like Christmas Day for me is the first weekend of January in, in Anaheim, California. That's Christmas Day. Um, so, yeah, I'll be a part of that. And, uh, yeah, get ready to do it all again. I feel like we blink and we go through a month. Um, yeah. So it's kind of scary. I'm scared to see how quick this is going to come. I really am. Yeah, you feel like Nations was going to like take forever to come around and now it's been and gone, mate. And I guess looking back, it's been a massive year for you know guys like us, guys like the fans covering it and watching it, enjoy it. So much racing. It's like it really is a full-time job for the fans to keep up with it, let alone us, mate. Almost have to sort of go past the normal working hours to keep abreast of everything. But what are some of the highlights, I guess, looking back? Hard to go past Jet Lawrence undefeated, what the Lawrence brothers are doing. Sexton... Tomac, Webb, the injuries, that was definitely a theme of this year. So many injuries going on. It was a brutal year for that with the Hurlings and Renault and these kind of guys in MXGP too. It's so much to look forward to, but also a lot to look back on that sort of deserves to be mentioned too, doesn't it? I feel like, you know, talking point from this year is obviously the, the perfect season for Jet Lawrence. Um, that was incredible. I feel like, um, you know, Colorado Supercross where... We had this thing, it was it was finished, it was done. And to see Eli go out with that is just dude, I'm still not okay. Yeah. Like I'm still not okay with that. Um, and it's awesome to see him back on a bike, riding, getting ready, like to see him back in the, the supercross, like that was a major point as well. He's gonna and be then, so motivated, isn't he? Oh, it's gonna be I, I he's my winner. Like it's my winner. Simple as that. And then, you know, to see the Sexton on a KTM, how exciting is that going to be to watch that unfold? Exactly. It's the new bikes. It's we and then you know, a lot of these guys were moving around. We're getting another manufacturer. We're getting two manufacturers, Triumph and obviously our beta motorcycles there with Benny Bloss and Nichols. And you know, when I think back to this year as well, I I, I go, you know, look back at Anaheim one in the futures, and Deegan really didn't yeah. do anything. He didn't shock the world. And he's our 250 Super Motocross World Champion. Just think about that. Mm. Um, and to, to see that happen within a year and all these other talking points, I feel like a lot of injuries this year as well, which sucked. Um, but we just have the year for it, unfortunately. Um, you know, the, the Lawrence going out there and, you know, both 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 boys winning championships. I, I, I never really thought, Ed, that I would see a perfect season. I no. thought... I didn't think in this day and age we'd see it. Um, and to go out there and see that was crazy. And then SMX as well, the start of something new, the start of obviously Feld Entertainment and MX Sports. Um, like to see those guys going together as well. Like it, it's, you know, blame World Supercross, blame what you want, but to see those guys getting it together and, and being a part of this and a, a season that went all year, this was literally a memorable year. It's a historic year. It's the start of something. Um, who knows where it goes? But it's uh being a being able to work in this industry, being able to be a fan of it, being able to attend these races. Um, it's a dream, really. It is. It's uh like I say to Alex all the time. It's like it's you know, I'm just a fan. It's all I am, and yeah. I just get to get to be a part of it. Yeah, and then you know it's just so cool working in it and yeah doing it for a living and you know we both have multiple jobs and we make it work mate because the passion's there so that's kind of a good bit of advice for anyone i guess wanting to get into it you really got to love it love what you're doing 
be passionate about it and put the hours in because there's a lot of hours to it, isn't there, mate? Like, you know, you see with Alex and I see with the boss and everyone, like a lot of guys in the industry put in the hard yards to make it happen. It's not easy. And I just wanted, obviously, massive credit to Adamo and Prado getting their titles in MXGP and MX2. Of course, yeah. Such impressive seasons. And one thing, I guess, we look at A1, the 450 class, those 250 classes are going to be absolutely wild. You couldn't pick a winner. There'll be pretty much 10 guys every weekend that can win. So much parity, especially now Hunter's vacated and gone up to the 450s. How does that play out? Same as MXGP looking at Yago going up to the 450. He showed what he could do at Red Bud, absolute weapon on a bike. He'll look for some full recovery. Obviously didn't go how he liked it, Erne, but he's a supreme talent. He should just slot straight into the top five. I wouldn't be surprised at all. But yeah, those 250s in Supercross, mate, who have you got? For that, you know, Kitchen, all these guys moving teams, Voland. I'm especially keen to see Shimoda on that Honda, though, mate, and Hymas back healthy. Shimoda's going to be fantastic. I really think he will be. I think the dark horse here that a lot of people are probably going to underestimate is Voland on that pro circuit, Kawasaki. Mm. Um, obviously, Ryan Hughes, his mechanic, I'm, I'm friends with him, talk with him quite a fair bit. He is going to be unreal. Um, he's going to be fantastic. Um, you know, Hayden Deegan as well. Like my picks, I'll say it right here. I'm I'm a Hayden Deegan champion and I'm an Austin Faulkner. Yeah. Monster Energy Pro Sir Kawasaki. I feel like um he's gonna get it done. He really is. I hope yeah. so, man. I hope so. Yeah, I'm pretty big on Levi Kitchen as well, seeing how he'll go with that program. Probably will feel a little bit more comfortable like he was Absolutely. Saying. That'll be pretty fascinating to see. And even Vial year two, maybe a step too far because it is so hard that supercross, isn't it? Like, okay, so the, the 250 class at SMX at, you know, at Los Angeles there, Jordan Smith. Yeah. What was that? That was pre-27 Jordan Smith. Yeah. If he shows up there next year, he could win it. Like, yeah. it's, it, we can, uh, like, I'm already thinking about the preview shows and everything we're going to do for it. It's like. Giles Robertson, like, where do you go with that? It's just like, you do just, anything. Oh, it, it, you really can. And. I can't wait to have the whole East versus West, who's best, East is West, best is West. Like, I can't wait to have those conversations again. I really can't. Um, and then the, the structure there as well, um, obviously at starting off there in Anaheim, I'm really excited for it to be in San Francisco. Um, Oakland just was not it. Oakland was scary. Yeah. Um, to have it in a big stadium like that with NFL, um, it's going to be incredible. And then obviously Snapdragon Stadium there, um, in San Diego, we went there for the first time this year. New look stadium, bit different. I liked it. Um, and then obviously heading east as well, a few different of these different rounds, a couple different cities. It's a bit of a mixture. I'm all for it. I really am. Oh, it's going to be so good, mate. So much to talk about between now and then. And we definitely look forward to getting you back on, mate. I guess just before we let you go, anyone you want to thanks, give a shout out. Where can people follow your stuff, read your work, listen to your podcast? Just give you a quick chance to do that. Yeah, of course, uh, you know, motoonline.com, motoonline.com.au for the latest for everything we've got going on there as well. Um, obviously, race day stuff is a heap of stuff there. And then uh, Moto Online, just search that on, on, on the Spotify or Android or, you know, Apple Podcasts, whatever you got there. A lot of lot of cool things happening there. And, um, yeah, we'll see me at the races. Say hello. I'm always keen for it. Yeah, mate, all the best with everything. It's definitely, you know, another exciting month coming up in the moto world, even though it's not the absolute elite racing. There's going to be so much to go with, mate. But yeah, for everyone that got through two Aussies talking moto, mate, they've done well. So the accents might be a bit brutal, sound a bit <laughs> rough, but they've done it, mate. So cheers to all the fans and everyone for sticking in. And before we let you go, mate, we'll thank the sponsors in Fly Racing, Monster Energy, Fox, Parts Europe, Scott. 
Bell Helmets, Acherbys, ASU Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, O'Neill, and of course, even Strokes for all their incredible support. As without them, none of this would be possible. All right, thanks again for joining us, mate. Been another crack and chat and look forward to catching up soon. Absolutely, mate. Appreciate the time and uh, yeah, look forward to seeing you in Newcastle. No worries, mate. Have a good one.